So now the best part of that skit was awesome. I love coffee, but something I love even more is our awesome pastor. So please welcome Pastor Shelby. Thank you, thank you. So you all having a good time? Yeah. Huh? Pretty good, huh? Okay, but I have a confession to make. I feel like the worst, the world's worst mom. I didn't know there was a National Daughters Day. And then once you find out there's a National Daughters Day, then you realize, oh crud, I now have a daughter. So... I'm sorry, I forgot to take a picture of us. I'll remember next year. I'll be better at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So I did. It's not a real one? Okay, I won't know. Remind me. I don't want to forget next year. That was just like horrible. I didn't. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Every day is National Daughters Day. I think that's, I think that's good because I... I, it's about time I get a girl, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so good. Good. I hope you're all having an amazing time, growing, stretching. Um, I get a little nervous, so if you see my body shake, just, you know, go with the flow. I'm going to read so I don't get lost here. But um, I want all of you ladies and men Anybody who's in here that helped um, prepare for this event, decorate, whatever it is, I want you to stand up. And I believe we need to give these beautiful ladies and our awesome men a round of applause. I am so appreciative because we couldn't have done it without you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're awesome. Um, so as we've been, I don't, I don't like this. We're going to make it. Okay, fine. I'll just, I'll just deal with it. Does it go up? No, it's, that stuff's not in my way. If it doesn't go up, I, I can... Uh. Right? Just so together, we're better. There you go. This proof, I just had to, I had to do that. So, okay. So, in preparing for this event, I've just, it's, you know, it's just been exciting and awesome. And um, in preparing for it, I've just really felt that um, God has been preparing um, something really special for it. And um, something beautiful, I like that word. Tom uses the word all the time, so I love it. But, um there's something wonderful that occurs when God's people come together in unity. I firmly believe that. There are so many Bible stories and our own personal experiences that have taught us to know that God loves these moments even more than we do. Here we are all together, and he's here in the midst of this gathering. He's working in us. He's working through us. He's working for us, among us, and by us. He's building teams He's blessing each and every one of you, and he's strengthening each of us, all at the same time. And one of my biggest goals um, for this event, I want you to really remember this, but my only desired outcome for this event is that each one of you would take something away, however big, however small, but take something away that will help you to win in life. Tom was telling me a story of a, of a pastor that he'd heard about that um, is good friends with a golfer, um, Bubba Watson. I, Tom is into golf, so he knows these things. I'm not into golf, so I just listen to his stories. So, um, but this pastor was talking about how he often gets um, to go golfing with uh, Bubba Watson, and he gets to invite friends of his to go golfing. And he was saying how funny it is to watch these men when they come around um, Bubba and how they think that they're going to um, impress him with their golf moves, you know. Well, apparently he's ranked number five, I guess, in the world for golfing. And I don't really think that 
anybody could really impress him. Maybe the number four or the two or the one could, but I don't think any of the normal, you know, you or I or Tom or, you know, anybody could impress him with their golf skills because he can do whatever he wants to do with the golf ball. So this pastor was saying just how funny it was to watch these guys when they go and, and golf with him. And, um, and I'm sure that he doesn't really, Bubba Watson doesn't really expect them to try to impress him. I mean, he just, I think he would just hope that they go out and they have a nice, relaxing, fun game of golf. And maybe, maybe they'll learn just a little something that could help them improve their, their own game, right? So that's what my goal is for this event, is that I'm not here to impress anybody. That, that's the furthest from my mind. I've never been that type of person that can just, oh, I'm here to impress somebody. I'm not here to impress Pastor Wendy, even though she is right there among, you know, the, the you know, big wigs of the, you know, in ministry. And, and I totally look up to her, totally look up to her. But I'm not here to impress her, and I'm not here to impress any one of you. I just want something that I have to say or Pastor Wendy has to say or anybody for that matter to sink into your heart that you go away with a win in life. So that, that's my only goal. So I was thinking it's kind of like, you know, once a cheerleader, always a cheerleader. So I'm just here to cheer you on, to go, to win. That's what I want to do. So, And I think that if I can help you see like God sees, it will be much easier to do what God says. We've heard it before. It's not a new revelation, but when God sees you, when he looks at each one of you, he sees something beautiful. And the word beautiful, it has very little to do with the outward appearance. Very little to do with it. Um, It says um, that um, the word beautiful, it means extraordinary of its kind, marvelous in thought and speech. Extraordinary of its kind extraordinary. That's how God sees you. Uncommon, unusual, rare, exceptional, and remarkable. Beautiful. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? We've just heard about that by the master himself. Yet sometimes that's not the truth that we're allowing our lives to be defined by. It's as if we have been empowered we empower a totally different thought to impact the direction of our life but god doesn't see um it seems easy for us to identify with the picture that the enemy portrays for us and if we are not careful we wind up seeing what the enemy sees and then that positions us to do what the enemy says but god doesn't see a broken down failure when he looks at you god doesn't see a weak intimidated little girl when he looks at you He doesn't see an unwanted or an unloved individual stuck in an unlovely situation. God sees you as beautiful, extraordinary of your kind, rare, exceptional, and remarkable. Let's look at Deuteronomy 7, 6. Yeah, yes, yes. It says, and in the message, I love the message. It says, God, your God chose you out of all the people on earth for himself as a cherished personal treasure. God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. The fact is there was almost nothing to you. He did it out of sheer love. You are cherished by God. You are his personal treasure. And then in 2 Corinthians 2.14 in the Amplified, I love this. This was awesome. It says, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumph as trophies, as trophies of Christ's victory, and through us spreads and makes evidence the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. You have got to get this, ladies. You've got to. You are cherished by God. You are his personal treasure, and you are his living trophy of Christ's victory. Like I said, I just love that. When, when I, we were, uh, Tom and I were studying that and lo- looking at that, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm a trophy. 
I mean, you don't go through life thinking that. Anybody of you go through life thinking you're a trophy? No, not at all. But it was like, I'm a trophy. He got a, he got a trophy wife. Yeah. Yeah. And my kids, I have to say kids now, I just can't say boys, but my kids, my kids got a trophy mom. And God has a trophy daughter. You're his trophy. You are his trophy. You've got to get that. Look at somebody and tell them you are God's trophy. Yeah. The enemy wants you to see a different picture, though. Right? He wants you to focus on the hurts, the heartbreaks, the shortfalls, and the failures. He doesn't want you to see how any of that could possibly be used for good. I think a lot of people only see the pain and the hurts, the marks that they picked up along the way, the scars. Yeah? I think this is one place where the guys kind of got blessed. You know, they always brag, show everybody their scars, and we use concealer. You know? We hide ours. Yep. I'm not at all suggesting that we pretend that these marks don't exist, because I know they do. I know they're real, and we've all got them. Right? Stretch marks. I got those. I got, I got lots of stretch marks. <laughs> but we can't, so we can't let those marks define us. We can't. They should only serve to remind us. They're not about what has gotten in our way, but there's what, they're, um, what has happened on our way, right? When God sees us, he sees, he sees those marks. But remember, he sees something beautiful, extraordinary of its kind, something unique and rare. He does see the marks, but he made us beautiful. He does see the marks, but he chose us for himself, his personal treasure. He does see the marks, but he made us. He made us remarkable. And he did it out of sheer love. In his hands you may have entered broken, but you are coming out unbreakable. No weapon formed against you can prosper. You may have entered damage, but coming out, you are restored. If anyone is in Christ, they are new. Amen? Amen. Life may have dealt you some knocks, maybe some hard knocks. You maybe even have the marks to show for it. And the devil would like nothing more than for you to just sit and cry over all of these ugly, hurtful remarks. marks. But God made you remarkable. You are not common And this is what makes you his treasure, his trophy. You are a living demonstration of Satan's defeat. See, see, and I just, I want to give you some examples because these, and hopefully I won't get emotional, but as I was writing, it was like, oh my God, we serve such an awesome, awesome God. So the enemy, he may have tried to knock you out, marked your life with a dysfunctional family, a broken household, and then he might have tried to take your, take your life out with cancer. But thanks be unto God. Shelly Palmer, where are you? Stand up. Thanks be to God because you are remarkable. Stay standing, please. Maybe you had a marriage that was falling apart. Two little girls and one on the way. Sorry. <laughs> and you were diagnosed with cancer. Stand up, girl. Thanks be unto God. God made you remarkable. Maybe your life, maybe life marked you by attacking your blind side. Coming in in the night with a devastating blow from a direction you would have never dreamed of. But thanks be unto God. Kathy Johnson, God made you remarkable. Maybe you made choices earlier in your life that the enemy wanted to mark you with to destroy your future and your self-worth. But thanks be unto God, God made you remarkable. Stand up, please, Lene. Thanks be unto God, he made us remarkable. Maybe Satan took advantage of you early in life, marked your childhood with deep wounds and scarring, tried to strip away your health, and then told you you would never amount to anything. Thanks be unto God. Is Misty Selman here? She's not. God made her remarkable. 
Or maybe you've been marked by a devastating tragedy, events that could take and destroy the average family and put them in a downward spiral of insanity and depression. Thanks be unto God, Brittany. Brittany Adams. God made you remarkable. And I think there's others that should be standing. I think there's others of us that have been marked by financial upheaval. If that's you, please stand up. Maybe you've been marked by abuse, physical, emotional, uh, verbal. Please stand up. Maybe uh, you've been marked by a devastating loss of any kind. Please stand up. You have to choose. You have to choose to allow God to use those marks. You have to choose to live like God's trophy. So if you have experienced failures or losses, relationships, emotional, anything, if that speaks to you, please stand. I believe we need to let God remark us. He made us remarkable, ladies. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by the master himself. He created us perfectly. And I believe we need to let God remark our lives to choose to take these marks that we have gotten in our lives and use them for the glory the glory of God amen amen Amen. you're awesome and you're beautiful and I so appreciate each and every one of you coming it's just awesome we're gonna have um I'm gonna have pastor Tom it's funny, I call him Pastor Tom. I'm going to find my hubby, and I'm going to ask Wendy if you want to join me on stage. We have some questions that have been um, emailed to us and stuff, and so they were going to, we're just going to sit and chat and um, maybe not sit. Okay. So Wendy has a green one, and we'll move that. I think they're bringing us chairs. So we're going to chat. Isn't this fun? Yeah. God's remarkable. Mm -hmm. You're remarkable. You're remarkable. remarkable. (laughs) They're remarkable. I have a trophy wife. I have a trophy husband. Yeah, I do. Yes, you are. Yeah. Okay, so one of the questions is, how do I deal with unity within my group of friends regarding gossip, cliques, etc.? Is that a girl question or a boy question? (laughs) We may not get a word in if he answers first. (laughs) She hasn't told me what to say yet. Hey, uh, how, how, do you, how do you handle gossip? gossip and uh, Dude, that's, a, that's an easy one for me. Um, but, but I think it's important that you understand that uh, silence is agreement. And so when, when people talk in the way that they shouldn't and you say nothing, you've said a lot. And I think more than uh, anything else, you, need to, you, you just need to remember they need your voice. And when, when you know it's wrong, when you can sense it's wrong, uh, the temptation is, is to align with it, <laughs> but the, 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 the wisdom thing is to realign it and keep things going the correct direction. It's not hard to be right when you're spirit-led. And uh, the, the problem is, is that a lot of us wait to be spirit-led till we need it, and we should have been learning to be spirit-led before we got there. And you just silence it. Don't be silent. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's great. I, 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 I love that. And there is the part too, like say that you're at your job and there's the, there's the, just the junk talk, you know, there's, there's just junk talk. Um, and you, you know, there's a, there's a place of that you make your presence known of, you know, who you are and what you believe. And then there's also a place of turning away and just walking away where, you know, if it's, if it's at the coffee time or at the lunch time and, and you've already made your presence known about it and you really know that like, you know what, probably my best 
my best action could be in a positive way that you just move away from it. And and then people are going to want you want you around. That's our goal. So people want you to be around them. So by them wanting to be around you, you're going to change the environment because they go like, no, 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 come to lunch. And then they watch because if the lunch goes a certain direction, all of a sudden, you know, there's a positive, like, you know what, I think it's time for me to leave right now. Well, wait, no, wait, just say, you know what, we've already had kind of the discussion and this is not the direction that I really want to have a conversation about. So, you know, I'll just leave, you know, so it, it's, yeah. it's that positive. They want to be around you. I actually had a whole group of people that were not church people, but there was a th- thing going on and they were all going out to, they were drinking and they had invited me to be a- along with them. And I just decided I, I didn't, I didn't want to be in that situation. I mean, I like all the people, but I just decided, you know, I'm not going to be there. And it's funny. It took three days and all of a sudden I got a text and they go, okay, we're not all drinking. Will you still come? Will you come now? And I was like, okay. I, I, I just thought it was just a very unique. I was not mad at any of them. I didn't, I didn't preach to them again. I mean, they know my stand. That's why they, that's why they had that discussion among themselves. And I think that there is that place that you begin to, you speak and then you let your presence, uh, like be known in, in the sense you can depart from it. But then like, let's go to a move to the intimate friends in your world. Because I just said those kind of, that are outside your intimacy of life. You kind of have a, a certain kind of relationship with them. Then you move it into the intimacy of your life. If there is gossip a lot around you, the reason that it's there is that you have been a part of it. Mm-hmm. You've created an environment that made it a part of your intimacy of friendships. So if all of a sudden you become aware of the gossip, do remember that the reason it's probably at the level that you may be noticing, you're like, whoa, what has happened? Oh, nope, it's already been going on. Maybe now you're, maybe you've had a little bit more tender to the spirit. Maybe there's some things going on in you. So I would just have that sweet conversation with your intimate friends. I just say, you know what? Can we work on having our conversation a little bit more positive about people? Have an honest, face-to-face, sweet conversation. But remember, if the conversation has been gossiping and you need to have the conversation, remember the, 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 the log is first in your own eyes. So make sure that that log that's in your eye, you don't blame your friend for how bad they be talking all the time. You are a part of the conversation. So don't be, you know, you know, arrowing them out. Be sure that you call yourself out. Say, you know what? I really noticed and I, I guess I, 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 I've been very much a part of this conversation direction. I'd really like to make a different God change. So can we help each other get better at this? Let's, let's get better at how we talk. Let's get better of how we say things. Let's get better, you know. And, and, then, and then together, or when I say together, it could be one, two, five, ten. It could be many of you that have that kind of that group of conversation, that you begin to be different in the conversation. And again, I guess I have to say that there is the place that if you have the conversation, there is some time, a place that you do ha- realize that you kind of start getting a little edged out because maybe they don't want to change. And I know that's a very hard thing because the person goes, well, what are you going to do? Well, maybe you say, Father God, in my path of what I'm walking, this is what I believe in friendships. I believe in life we live like this, okay? Many people live like this. And I think that you have to have a renewed mind of understanding that in living like this, you close the door to new relationships in all the seasons of your life. I've not met some of my closest friends yet in my life because I determined very young that I was going to live like this. The door to my life and to my friendship and to my heart is never closed. But it also means that that means that there are some people possibly in this circle of people that have been very special to me. They might walk out that door because the door's not closed. So some people might actually walk out at different seasons of your life. But with that door always open and you believing God for it, people will actually walk into your life. And so, you know, like, and I want to live so that God brings in the people that are supposed to be in my life. And he brings me into the uh, lives of people that I'm supposed to be in, but that I also don't have such an insecurity that I will never let anybody leave 
my little circle because sometimes people have decided and i know it's a very sad thing but there are people that have decided i don't want what you offer i don't like one of my one of our ladies at our at a, one of our campuses i mean she came to me with, i mean it was just a, it's not a fun story it's not a happy story 50 years of friendship these two girls had had two women you know i mean they're they they and 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 her friend wrote her a letter and said i i don't like you anymore i have i don't like this that you're doing well she i've known this lady since before i was married she's all she's done is gotten better as a christian she didn't go backwards but she did decide to start, cut certain things out of her life through her path and as she got positively narrower in her walk her friend through these years has not gotten narrower and she came to a place that i don't even like to be around you anymore why well because she's such a light that this friendship decided i don't like you you know and that's a hard hard thing to deal with but you know it does happen once in a while are you willing to let certain people walk out and let people walk in that's a long you know. yeah no it's good i think you have to be willing mm-hmm. i think that's where you have to trust god yes he yeah. knows what you know he knows the relationships that are time to be done with or mm-hmm. need to go and the ones that need to come in yeah very good very mm-hmm. good number two how do i let my husband lead and how do i pray for him I thought this was pretty funny. I was talking to Tom about it last night, and I said, okay, we're going to do a demonstration. So stand up. Stand up. Tell him what to do. Yeah. Okay. This is how you let him lead. Okay, go. I'll follow you. He's leading me. That's it. That's pretty simple, right? That's it. You just let him lead. But you do have to pray for him, and you pray for him God's word. I mean, what's God's word say? Yep, you're to, you're, you know, you're to um, be in submission to your husband. And submission is not a bad word. It really isn't. No. Submission. You just come under the, you know, underneath his mission. This is not, this was not my mission. I can tell you that right now. This was never my mission. But, you know, when you have a trophy husband, you just, you just follow him everywhere. I love that. Oh, don't you love that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You got anything more? Oh. I do. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you get you trophy over there. Yeah. That's a good one. You know, uh, I, I, um, I would say, I'm going to go back way, way, way backwards. All you mamas that are raising up your daughters and your sons, pray and believe God for their marriage right now. Don't Don't wait. But, I mean, you start at the very, I mean, the the moment you know that you're carrying a child, you begin to pray for the person that they will marry because it is so significant of their life. And my oldest son dated one person, I say this here, (laughs) whatever, this is not live streamed or anything, but he was dating a person that was so not the will of God. I mean, it was so hard, and it was a long relationship. And I didn't like her, Tasha didn't like her, but she was welcome in our home. We had her all the time. I always would face-to-face visit with her. I would talk with her. I did not kick her out of my home in any kind of way. My son is very strong-willed, and I wasn't going to put... And I know some parents go, hey, I would just tell him, he can't be dating her. And I said, you tell your own kid that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I remember I told you when he was little, I felt like, no, I, we've got to... Everybody has to raise up their child wisely and and listen to what god says for you in your situation and then be confident but pray and i we really prayed and we believe god and you know really you know fought the good fight of faith and he could have married her and then i would have dealt with that properly too i would i would have loved her and everything like that i would have called her daughter and i would have loved her because that would have been his choice and i would have gone with that thank god that he made a change and it was a, i mean realistically I, I i'm very very grateful and uh, tasha dated the wrong guy for the longest time and she is married to an amazing man tasha's our 28 year old and she's married to an amazing man but we in the, my other my youngest son 26 we're looking for a wife we're looking for a wife yeah <laughs> your daughter there you go huh she's an Everett. there you go well he's he's in the army so he's not an Everett, but oh there you go She's Navy, he's Army. That might be a conflict. I'm not sure. Okay? Yeah. 
You know, she said, yeah, see, but see, but I've been praying, we pray for our children and I am a generation of that. My mom prayed for us. My, my husband was never in church in his life and he get radically saved and I meet him after he's saved. My daughter-in-law was never raised in church. She was, she was, she walked in the door and got saved at our church, got filled with the Holy Spirit at Celebrate. I mean, so sometimes people have this ideal of who they want also in their future. I, my Moses, he's from South Africa. He fought the fight to be even who he is. And I'm like so proud of the man that he has fought to be in his life. It's just an amazing life that he has fought for. And I'm like, good me. I've been praying for him since he was born, you know. But so you pray first. And then I don't care. You say, well, Gal, I've already missed out on 10 years. Well, so what? Start now. I'm, I've missed He's 20 and I, I have missed it. So what? Start now. Wherever it is, start now. If the, Whatever's happening in life, you don't feel bad about your past. You didn't do it. So what? You can't go backwards. Go forwards. You know, story goes forward, not backwards. So you begin to pray. Okay. So then in that process of, you know, submitting, you know, there's this place of saying, well, it's, you know, she followed the mission. Well, the mission he's walking is the God mission. So then the next question is, what do you do with a person and a husband that's not walking a God vision? What if he wants to do different wild and crazy things? You know, and I have always communicated the message that with Smith Wilgersworth, who was a tremendous evangelist back in times of old, old, old from Scotland. I mean, he's a very old evangelist, really dynamic. But his, his wife was the saved one first. And he was a plumber and he, you know, didn't love God at all, hated God. In fact, she went to a Christian meeting and when she came home, his, the door to her house was locked and she slept on the porch. This to me is like a true story of a life of a God woman. Now, I don't know what I would have done, but this is what she did, okay? <laughs> what she did when she went in the morning, she slept on the porch, okay? And this is the days of old. I mean, you know, you didn't go to the hotel. You didn't have a credit card. You didn't have a phone and text somebody. There was nothing like that. But she got up in the morning. He opened the door. She got up. And I, see, this to me is submission. She didn't punch him in the nose, she walked into the home and she served him and made his breakfast and took care of his needs. And he went off to work. When he came home, the house was taken care of. Her, her role in, in their life decision was done well. And she didn't get up and scream and yell at him. She prayed for him and she loved him. As she loved him, you know, when he did some of the, these things that were like, that's outlandish to lock the door on his wife. I mean, you could say, what an evil, mean husband. Now, he didn't hit her. He didn't abuse her in those kind of ways. He locked her out of the house. So, but she, 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 she didn't respond in kind. She responded in spirit. So I think there's things that I can't, we do, I do not walk your, walk your pathway. Some of you that have to submit in ways that is very challenging because your flesh rises up. But I would say that there are, you really have to learn how to listen and follow your spirit over your flesh response unless it's a path of sin. If there's a path of sin, there are, I've had wives come up to me and say, yeah, my husband wants me to wife swap. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What does the Bible have to say about that? Does the Bible say, you know, go ahead, he's going to wife swap, and now you're going to sleep with this man, have sex, and he's going to say, is that a biblical principle? No. Okay, well, then you have a biblical stand of with kindness and gentleness, say, sweetheart, that's not what I'm going to do. That's not going to happen. So there is places that you have to stand up, and you live principle to Christ, to the power of the word of God. But there, and then you, but you have a kindness in your home. And I think that by far is one of the most big spiritual walks that a woman can walk in. That is a big, big, set your flesh down, push your spirit up. That is tough. I'm just saying that is tough. So I'm going to, you know, yeah. You want to add anything? Okay. <laughs> How do you handle behavior issues with a child while at school? <laughs> well, since all my kids are perfect, I'll let them answer that one. <laughs> we just allowed the police to pick them up. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty good. That's so He's fun. not lying either. Yeah, yeah. He really is not lying. He's not lying. Yeah. Um, I, I think behavior issues, they have to start in the home. I mean, if they're acting out in school, then they have to be acting out at home. 
Um, it, 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 it's the way it was in, in our house, and, you know, we tried to take care of it at home, and when there were issues at school, I went back to school. So, I, you know, I think you do what you have to do to help, um, to, to help your children. Um, my youngest son is still, I think, upset at me because never once did I take his side when in any of our parent-teacher meetings. Never. Because it wasn't his place of dominion. He, he was there, hopefully, to respect those teachers. Those teachers are there. They're paid there. You know, we pay them to give our kids an education. And they don't deserve anything that our kids put them through. And they don't. You know, so if we can't discipline our kids at home to be respectful of, of um, people over them, elders, you know, teachers, law enforcement, whatever, it has to start. I, believe, I firmly believe it has to start in the home. That's so good. That's so good. That is, if, if we as, as a society, as parents, would demand respect and honor towards all levels of authority, we would change everything. We would change just everything that we are walking through and the disrespect and the disrespect towards a lot of things, age, sex, everything like that. We've just we, we've created a very I can do this if I want to type of attitude. And I do think there is a place, like I know when I was in the third grade, my teacher, I did not know this for years, right? But my teacher really disliked me. Now, I knew in third grade that I had problems all the time. I mean, I was sent to the principal's office. I got in physical fights, never did any other time in my life, only in third grade. So there was a lot of behavioral problems that I actually had that I knew. But she actually told my mom that I had serious you know, problems that I needed professional counseling. And so my mom was like, are you kidding me? I know this girl. I mean, I was just a really normal little kid. I don't know why. I don't, I'm not sure why I got kind of picked out. And so sometimes there can be a very unfair situation. My mom never made comments about it. My mom was involved in the class. My mom was kind of right there. She didn't make a comment to, she didn't defend, you know, like she didn't say, you know, that teacher's really stupid. She didn't talk about the teacher. But years later, she told me what had happened in the teacher's meetings. And it really clarified the year to me. You know, I went, wow, no wonder all that stuff was going on, you know. But she didn't, she didn't uncover the teacher. She knew that I, she couldn't make any changes. She had to just pray me through the year. And I had by far the best fourth grade teacher you could have ever, ever needed for a child that had come out of a year of tremendous challenge. Mrs. Storm was my fourth grade teacher. And she, like, adored me. I mean, I, I mean seriously, it was one of those kind of, like, God years. And my mom prayed for that. But so, so sometimes we think that our children... Children should not have anything that's hard. And sometimes it is very unfair. Caleb had a teacher that he walked in the door the very first of the year, and he said, I love to take down pastor's kids. Yeah, and he's in our school. Okay? And we were like, oh, interesting. I wonder how this year is going to be. A little bit challenging. I can see it already. And so we had to really fight the good fight of faith. I mean, there are some challenges that any of our kids could go through. So then you have to ask yourself again. I think that Shelby said it so beautifully. The bigger question is, you know, that we want our kids to have an honor. We want them to have a respect. Now, if you needed to, I don't think that it's inappropriate that you had a private meeting with the the teacher and never mention it to your child. Don't def, don't bring it up to your kid and have a conversation of kindness and thoughtfulness and say, talk to me about what's going on. Is there anything I can do to bring about a better time in class? What can I do as a mom or as a dad? What can we do that would, you know, that would smooth some things out better? Is he not doing his assignments properly? Is he disrespectful to you? You can ask questions. And sometimes what that does is having that private kind meeting kind with thoughtful words is that it kind of puts that teacher on notice also this kid has involved parents you know and and they're going to be there and so sometimes that teacher that had an unfavorable for some reason they might slightly back off you don't know you don't know so you do have to pray and believe god because life isn't fair it isn't fair I mean, you know, I mean, sometimes you're like, wow, why did that happen? Caleb got pulled over when he was motorcycling, and he was going too fast. There was no doubt about it. He was going too fast. He got pulled over. And, you know, the policeman stood there, and he said, hmm, let's see. 
what can I give you more on your ticket? That's what he said. He said, let's see. I don't like this. Wrote it on the ticket. Mm, And I think this too. And he literally wrote the ticket to an 18-year-old at the time. Now Caleb's 30. I think he was maybe 19. For $1,000. He was going home early from vacation because he worked at Starbucks. I mean, and he told him that I work at Starbucks. I had to go leave my vacation. And you're like, why did that policeman give a 19-year-old kid that was going too fast? Because Caleb talked real respectful to him, you know, because he wanted to, you know, smooth it over. And a $1,000 ticket didn't make any sense. So what does a parent do when really that's an unjust, that was stupid. That's not smart for a policeman to do that. It, it just brings animosity. But your kids have had different things like that at different times that build animosity. What do you do as a parent? You say, well, what do you think we can do to help out and you ask God the wisdom of what to do there are amazing police people out there they they are so protective and they honor us so we don't want to be disrespectful and and push them down but we also want to figure out how to bridge and how to have health around us and I think I, I think too just on top of that is the best thing you can do for your kid is be healthy yourself Ooh, brilliant just just make sure that your health my kids having trouble at school well don't add to it yeah you know and uh i think sometimes we you know because with our boys it was a struggle for me because i could you know i've prayed for them their whole life yeah prophesied scripture you know uh and i see that you know god declared the end at the beginning and i see the position the place that god's taken them and then i see the place that they're at mm. and forget that there is a process and so all of their troubles would come against me like uh, like suddenly their issues would, would be mine. And self-worth as a parent would begin to deteriorate. And hope for their future would wane. And then I'd realize, wait a minute, the enemy's just using that. Because God hasn't changed his mind what their end is. And the, the place, the position he has for them. Don't let this circumstance change your 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 vision and your hope don't lose your hope stay healthy keep i mean just keep keep yourself really strong really you know you're gonna raise kids you're gonna have to have some strength right so uh so make sure that you stay super healthy and that you don't look at uh this season of life that they're in you know season the word season by definition is coming to an end so that's not forever this, you know, wherever they're at, don't, don't, don't lose your vision of where God's taken them. Because where they are doesn't define them. Not yet. It's good. Very good. Good. How can I honor my husband even when conflict arises between me and his mother or his family? And he is defending them over me, and we don't agree on how to handle that relationship of wife and hubby's family. Uh, wow. <laughs> you know? Well, I think they got to get into agreement, right? I mean, yeah. I think that's the underlying issue, is that you're not in agreement, so... Um, I think communication is key, and it can't be at the time of the conflict. Right. Because that, that, that's like, yeah, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So you have to communicate how, you know, you have to communicate before the conflict and um, figure out you have to come into agreement somehow. There's give and take. You know, it's not 50-50, it's 100-100. So you've got to give in. Yeah. He's got to give in. Yeah. You've got to come into agreement somewhere. You know, um, many, many times us women are very quick. You know, we're, we're too quick in having a conversation, and we didn't pre-think and make a plan. I mean, I, 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 I'm like right in there. You know, like it's like, oh, I want to talk about this right now. And, and so we don't pre-think and really go, this isn't the best time. Uh, when is the best time? When is the time to have a conversation that is not an easy conversation? And us women have to get smarter at making a plan and on purpose, you know, having time set that it's a good time and it's not the conflict. We, which actually, so she brought that part up. And maybe it's, you know, uh, and, and sometimes on a date night, you know, like that's really maybe not the night to bring up conflict. You know, 
you know, I mean, like you're supposed to be having like this sweet time of like being, but sometimes you could say, you know what, sweetheart, I have something that's kind of a hard conversation to have. When would be a good time? Like, when do you want to have the time? And he could say, well, you know, next week. And you could say, okay. Like, next week is okay if you're going to be married forever. In a sense, like, I've been married 37 years. I'm married forever. You know what I mean? It's like forever. So if Casey says, uh, like, next month, I'll go, okay, well, what day? <laughs> like, can I put it on the calendar on that day? And, and he, you know, I mean, like, realistically, I mean, it's like, I'm going to be there next month and the next month after. So somebody we're, we're pressing everything so hard. I'm like, well, let's have the conversation. And what do you, when would you like it? You know, what would be the best? You know, and after we have the conversation, we're going to have really good sex. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll follow that. Do we need to have a conversation? Four o'clock. Four, okay. Um. <laughs> I, I just want to throw this out. I'm sure it's not the case in every situation. Um, I'm sure it's not the case in every situation. But, you know, the, the struggle and the question is between you and his mom. And you think it's between you and him. And is it possible that you think you're his mom? Because... Your wife is not your mama. Right. And neither, can I just share something with you? You know, uh, uh, you can't be. You, there's, there's no power there, no anointing there, no, no wisdom for you there. Uh, and he's siding with his mother over me. You're not his mom. So let him have his mom moment and be his partner. You know, uh, the, the, the way you win a soul is with wisdom. You know, he who wins a soul is wise. And, and a soul, that's the way they think, the way they feel, the way they make their choices. If you're going to win someone's way of thinking, take some wisdom. Stop competing with his mom. And find your identity in Christ. But see, see your role as his wife, his partner. Is, you know, because uh, that, you know, I'm, and like I said... I'm sure this isn't the truth in every case, but I think, uh, you know, after 30 years of doing this, and I've seen an awful lot where women have tried to step into the role of the mother. And, and it's hard because you raise those kids. You know, you're, you're at the house all week long, you know, and you got all these children, and pretty soon he, he just, you know, it, is, you got you to give him a little bit of a break because he slides into that role too. Of just letting you mother him because you take care of everybody else, so you might as well take care of him, and and you begin to mother him, and then you're freaked out because now he's you know, going back to his mother. But just remember, you're not his mama. And 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 one other thing you can do for him, uh, because men really like to do stuff they're good at. Well, let me rephrase: stuff they think they're good at. Right. Because, uh, you know, guys, it's, it's funny how much cash they'll invest in golf if they think they're good. Yeah. If they don't think they're good, they sell everything. They, they won't put anything in it. So if you want him to invest in, in the home, in the relationship, you've got to make sure he thinks he's good. And don't be telling him everything he's doing wrong, thinking he's going to invest more. Because he won't. That's good. The number one need in a guy's life is be his cheerleader. Yeah. Yeah. Be his cheerleader. Yeah. You know, what do cheerleaders do? When they're losing, you're cheering them on. You can do this. You can do this. Go, go, go. So be his cheerleader. Yeah. It's brilliant. And, and make sure that, that, that your man gets involved in godly things. Because yeah. um, it's, uh, so this is the, Opportunity I have, I'll throw this out there and, and take my beating later. Uh, but it, it surprises me how many uh, ladies, in their own way, complain about their men participating in men's events. Because, well, you know, he's always gone. He's always gone. Yeah, we're trying to make him better. 
I'm trying to give him what he needs to, to win as a husband, as a dad, as a man. Don't sabotage, don't undermine the opportunity that God has to, to move in his life. Right. Amen. There's, so smart. So smart. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I just add on to the whole husband? Because the husband and wife thing is such a big, big thing. And I'm like, you know, as wives, um, in helping create relationships and friendships with other couples. Like sometimes us women, we're like, well, I don't really like, I don't really like, I don't really like. You know, we have all the I don't like about different people or different kinds of things. And I would say be smart enough to find uh, another brother that your husband genuinely, he just likes. He enjoys being around him that's that's who you start building with that couple as you know and and not only that remember the circle doesn't get you don't close the circle but look for people that your husband will enjoy being around and you could say well don't i deserve it well yeah us sisters get together more i mean you know you don't have to necessarily make the wife your best best buddy which i don't believe in best friends anyway i believe in just having a big puzzle of people in your life just many pieces and how important all the pieces are so can you find a husband that you enjoy the wife you might not you know think they're that like wow but but you enjoy them you can get along with them well and you start building and then you kind of go well what are some things that the husbands enjoy doing and then invest in it like i I am amazed. I watched my daughter and she is an athletic person. She was a sports, you know, she's a, a soccer girl anyway. But when they got married, man, she was like, okay, I'll understand football. And she just has understood it. She got fantasy football. Why? Because Caleb loves football. She's going to know football. I'm just thankful that I didn't have to know all that. You know, I, you know, I met my brothers played all of my life. I understand the game. But it's not one of, like, I didn't have to for Casey in that way. You know, and it, so he loves football, but not like Caleb. So, but you find what they like, and then you start building that. And not every single thing. My husband likes to hunt, and he knows when I walk in a room, the hunt shop. They go pause because I can't stand the sound. I don't like. I don't want to have it. I don't want to hear any any little baby deer go. I don't like it. You know. <laughs> Are you a hunter? No, but my husband is right. So I. So I. But so not every single thing that your husband does do you have to be totally engaged in. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to find points that you connect with and you connect with other couples so that you bring in that godliness into your fun time, into your play time. I mean, whatever it might be, maybe they all like barbecue, maybe they all like hiking, maybe they all like boating, maybe they all like, you know, whatever it might be that you find that something that's the same and you create happy times with your with your husband and with somebody else's you create happy times so again it's going to the marriage relationship and you're not in competition with mom you know you don't have to be in competition you're creating your married life with friends and fun and memories good 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 awesome it is 201 so we are going to break